Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week, not in the studio. Again, it's COVID-19 time. We're coming to you thanks to Zoom. And I'm in my garage office and my guest, I don't know where he is. I'm sure he'll tell us right now. My guest is Jake Benoit Wiley. He's a medical care volunteer here in Bloomington. Jake, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm actually here from my bedroom. so. <laughs> well, that's very casual, I'll say that. Yes. Jake is a, is a nurse, as well as being an infection prevention control officer. Jake has been meeting with people around town here in Bloomington in recent weeks, trying to formalize the volunteers who go to street protests. These are medical volunteers by and large, right, Jake? Um, we, we have medical volunteers. We also have um, volunteers that don't have any medical training that just want to do something. Um, so we try to find a job for everyone that meets everyone's comfort level as well. So Now, when you say we, you're not talking about, at this moment, a single entity of people. There are a bunch of people who are getting together of like minds who are thinking about this. I guess on a weekly basis, you guys are meeting now, Jake? Those meetings have just been going on for the past three weeks, um, that more formalized group. But when I say we, I just mean the people of Bloomington. Um, the, the first um, event I attended was Enough is Enough. And I volunteered there just because of a post I saw on Facebook. A friend of mine is an EMT. I'm a nurse. We saw the post and we were like, oh, let's go. And so we just showed up with a bunch of other volunteers from Bloomington. There was a doctor, there were other nurses, EMTs, EMS. So yeah, when I say we, I just mean whoever happens to be involved. At that first enough is enough happening, you volunteers all sort of ran into each other. Yeah, absolutely. We did uh, some um, networking at that time and met some people. And I'm actually still in contact with one of the guys. Whenever we have leftover supplies or we need supplies, I can talk with him and um, get those donated. So, What made you think there would be a need for medical professionals at the Enough is Enough event? Well, they reached out and said they were going to need people. And, you know, around the country, there have been a need for medical assistance at different protests. So I think the the idea was to have them in case we needed them, but honestly, it was super, super hot, and, and we wanted to make sure that people weren't passing out from heat exhaustion and from heat stroke, so our, one of our main concerns that day was keeping people hydrated, and um, I think we saw a couple of sprained ankles, but we were there more as to give people solidarity, that there is someone here to help you if you need it. But we knew that in Bloomington, just with the current climate, that we probably wouldn't encounter anything too too intense and that we would just mainly be hydration and, and emotional support if needed. The way I got in contact with you is I, I was uh, researching a story, a potential story for Limestone Post magazine. I was uh, trying to find out who the people were who toted guns at some of the protest rallies 
over the last month or two here in Bloomington. Turns out then that I found out about you, you're certainly not toting guns. Uh, in fact, uh, your whole thing is uh, hopefully to make sure everything goes peacefully. And if it doesn't go peacefully, if uh, limbs get broken somehow, you're there to fix them. To that, I, I obviously always hope things go peacefully, but um, in my opinion, I am not there to push things one way or another. I'm non-political. I have my political beliefs, but when I'm there, I am there to help people, and I'm not there to, to step on their boundaries so people know what they're willing to do for what they're fighting for. Um, so while as a nurse, I and really about harm reduction when I am practicing as a quote-unquote street medic I have to step away from that and let people do what their convictions are pushing them to do. Jake before we started recording you alluded to uh, an event something an incident that happened in Aurora Colorado a few days ago what was that? In Aurora, Colorado, a few days ago, there was a protest going on where a vehicle drove through a barricade um, and attempted to hit some protesters. And all of this, someone uh, shot off a gun. It seemed that it was one of the protesters. And the last that I read, which I, I haven't read today because I'm a night shifter, so I'm still getting my morning going, was some arrests had been made. Um, but no charges had been filed yet. So that's as updated as I am. Does the possibility of this kind of mayhem, cars being driven into crowds, guns being fired, does it scare you? Yeah, it's definitely scary. Um, absolutely. But what time when we were fighting for rights was not scary? Our country started with a, a riot, a Boston Tea Party, you know, we, civil unrest, we, we had to do property damage in order to get the uh, attention of who we were trying to get away from, the suffragette movement, the original civil rights movement that they're still battling now. Um, yeah. The Stonewall, it was violent riots, you know, we've always had to do scary things in order to make things happen, so... You know, it's always scary, but for me, sometimes going to work is scary. You know, when I worked in the ER, you never knew what you were going to see. So as a nurse, you kind of, you put that aside and you just realize, okay, sometimes it's going to be scary, but I have my fellow nurses, I have my my doctors, I have my CNAs, I have my ETs, they're all there to support each other and we get through it. You're living at this time in a place called Palisade, Colorado. But you're staying for a brief period of time, I guess, here in Bloomington. How did that work out? Uh, what are you doing over in this city? I went to school in Indiana at a little uh, community college and before I got my bachelor's degree. And uh, I met several friends here. So once I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I got recruited to a hospital in Colorado. Um, so my best friend that still lives here in Bloomington and I, every year we take turns, um, whose turn it is to visit. And so this year it was my turn to visit. And in November, I started travel nursing when this COVID 
uh, 19 things started to ramp up. You know, I have skills in ICU, I have skills in infection prevention. So I thought this would be a good time to travel, you know, see more of the United States. And um, a position came open in Wilmington, and it was my turn to visit. So I said, hey, I'll take it, stay with you for a while. We'll get to get paid while I visit. So that's where we're at. Couple of birds with one stone. Now, you mentioned being a traveling nurse. What is that? So there's a couple different kinds of traveling nurses. Um, so uh, I found out around here, IU has their own sort of traveling nurse that just travels between the different IU hospitals in this small area. But I'm a travel nurse that travels across the United States. So um, basically, I have a recruiter. He's called my career consultant. And I tell him where I want to go. And he pulls up jobs in the areas and we talk about them and we look at uh, what there is to do what the living expenses and whatnot are going to be and the different type of uh, units that there are to work on. Um, my husband and I get together, talk about where the best options that we would like to work. And uh, then you go through a phone interview and they make a decision if they'd like to have you come out there, you come out, you work, uh, your contracts are usually 13 to 15 weeks. And then after that, usually about, um, if it's a 13-week contract, at about nine or 10 weeks, sometimes they'll offer you an extension. So I like to usually stay about 20 to 22 weeks in an area. That way I'm not moving too frequently. So you've been here for a few months now. We got here uh, end of May. And, uh, you know, you're, you're incorporating yourself into the community and you're becoming a volunteer, as you say. You were at the Enough is Enough rally. And now you're meeting, apparently now, we're recording this, let's say yesterday, because it's Thursday today, and we spoke on Wednesday, and you told me you were going to, after this recording, have a meeting with some more other volunteers like you. Yeah, it's a group of folks. Um, so there was an incident in Bloomington at a protest in support of Black Lives Matter where um, a person was hit by a vehicle. And that day was one of the events where those armed um, volunteers were there. But during that protest, you know, while those armed volunteers had the medical side covered, we did notice one of the lacking things was was hydration right and I spoke earlier to one of the big things as the volunteers in Bloomington that we've seen we needed is more help with hydration and preventing things from happening because get dehydrated you get agitated you know your uh, impulse control goes down so if we can decrease dehydration there's a possibility that you're decreasing harm there right that's an interesting thought Jake because if you're thirsty you might be prone, perhaps, to do something kooky. No, absolutely. One of the signs of, of dehydration sickness is agitation. So you get agitated, and when we're agitated, we all act a little kooky. So absolutely. Do you get donations of water that you can pass out then? Yeah, it's actually, so it was amazing. When we saw that someone was hit, we decided that we wanted to do 
do something, right? And so the big thing that we saw were, okay, they did have medical people there, but they didn't really have a, a tent set up. They didn't have a good hydration system set up. So uh, a friend of mine that I'm staying with here in Bloomington, he's a part of several different Facebook groups. So we decided that's what we want to do. We want to set up a tent. We want to have water. We want to have some medical supplies um, and do what we can. So we put a simple post on Facebook and the community outreach was just amazing. People donated cases and cases of water. People let us borrow wagons to carry ice and water around. Uptown Cafe, I, I've been telling everyone to support Uptown Cafe as much as they can um, because during all the protests that I've been a part of here in Bloomington, they've had their doors open for people that were hot but they've donated all of the ice that we've been using at these protests to keep the water cool and to have cool towels. You know, they've been amazing with that. Nurses reach out and say, hey, I can't help because of X, Y, or Z, but I do have these supplies. We've had community members from that post just want to come out and help. Hey, I don't have training, but I can pass out water. Um, we had people give us gift cards to... Kroger in order to go buy water. Um, we had people passing by that saw that we were giving out of water and running low. So they would go to the store and come back and be like, hey, we got you a couple of cases of water. People donated food, snacks, all in a matter of hours, just from a simple post in a group on Facebook. So um, it was really amazing to see how much people wanted to help, even if it was just saying, hey, I have a wagon and you said you needed a wagon hey, I have a tent. You said you needed a tent. Please come borrow it. After that event, um, I met several people there that volunteered, and we wanted to continue to volunteer in the same fashion. Um, so we started a group on Signal, and that is the start of the group that has been meeting for the past three weeks. Will the group become formalized? Will it become the such-and-such -such group? You know, I'm not really sure at this point. Uh, I know the group is still talking about how, how and if they want to structure. They're still deciding if the people that are part of the formal quote-unquote group at this time have the time and energy to make it to the, as you say, such and such. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I would hope that they would be able to, and I say they because um, I'm here to offer support and I've uh, got experience in leadership and being a director of nursing, so I feel like I can help structure the group, but I won't be in Bloomington permanently. So um, while I, I, I do find myself a part of the group, I say they because I'm here to support them. So yes, I hope that they would be able to become, become a sustained group that is able to support all sorts of civil rights movements in Bloomington or different protests for human rights around town. Um, I know the group was planning, if needed, to support the protests about going back to school that mm -hmm. happened over this past week. Um, they ultimately were not needed, but they were preparing for it. They had some volunteers ready to go. So they are trying. They're definitely wanting to be that sort of group. They've got people that are connected with Enough is Enough and YDSA and the Black Lives Matter movement organization in town. So they have, um, when they're in need, they reach out and they talk about it and uh, get supplies if we need them or uh, some of the groups will actually 
like uh, BLM, if we were going to be doing an event for them, typically say whatever supplies you need, let us know. We can help you get them. But at the past events that we did, where they've been just volunteered, given from um, from community members of Bloomington. We're speaking this week with Jake Benoit Wiley, who's a medical care volunteer. He's a traveling nurse, a very accomplished one, I may add, a, a, a registered nurse. Uh, he's based in Colorado. He's here for the time being in Bloomington, and he is helping a good number of people get together and try to become more efficient in providing medical care at street protests. And you spoke uh, at length about hydration and dehydration, but there's a heck of a lot more to be done. I mean, you could, you could uh, dress somebody's little scrape. You could set a broken bone. You have people who are willing to transport people to the ER if uh, the ambulance can't get through. You could wrap sprained ankles and knees. You can stabilize wounds. Pepper spray, tear gas, there are things that need to be done about that. There are people who have low blood sugar, people who have asthma. You can stabilize an airway. You can stabilize a neck or spine injury. And another thing you guys do, from what I understand, you give out, if needed, pandemic masks. Absolutely. One of the big things is getting masks donated for these events because a lot of people actually just come up to the tent and say, hey, can I get a mask? So it's definitely one of the big things that we're doing while we're out here. You know, I'm an infection prevention control officer, you know, wearing the mask. A lot of people are against it, but all I can say is be respectful and wear your mask. That That's one of the big things that we need to do. And then we can normalize life again because it will definitely help flatten this curve. But yeah, we definitely, we give out masks. We can do any myriad of services in Bloomington or Indiana. We have uh, protection with the Good Samaritan law. So as uh-huh. long as we're not practicing outside of our scope of practice, we can um, do what needs to be done to protect people. So yeah, there's a whole number of things. Um, we can take people's blood sugar and we keep candy and stuff around. Uh, Jolly Ranchers are my favorite thing to give out for people because you can suck on them for a long time and they're really heavy in sugar. We can wrap a sprained ankle. I actually did that at one of the recent protests. There can, which we have not seen any of this, but neck injuries actually is part of my tactical EMS bag. I have a neck brace in order to stabilize neck injuries. And then, yeah, if there is an event where in Bloomington, especially, which I hope there would never be, but if we, they use tear gas, we do have uh, a mixture, what they call a law mixture, um, that we can spray in the eyes to help decrease the discomfort. Um, there's nothing really that's going to get rid of it. We also keep moist towels and we educate people on what to do if there is a tear gas attack because it's actually not a gas, it's a powder that stays on the skin. So people need to actually know how to uh, interact with it to keep it from getting in their eyes further. And in the event of an attack of some sort like that, uh, one of the biggest things for medics, in my opinion, to do or to understand are what are the tactics that are going to be taken before an event like this goes off. So what are the police going to be doing when they're going to throw tear gas? Okay, we're noticing that's happening. 
let's start to direct the crowd away from them. So uh-huh. again, trying to prevent people from getting harmed by tear gas while not really stepping on their boundaries, like just giving them the information, hey, this is what we think is about to happen. We should move this way. So a huge part of it too is education and educating people on how to stay safe during these protests, you know, telling them, hey, goggles are a good thing to wear wipe away from your eyes with this wet towel, put this over your face if you're seeing the smoke, run away from the smoke. They can use uh, sound cannons and different stuff like that. So, you know, just keeping yourself educated so you can educate the protesters and the crowd that you're there to support. Because a lot of times in this area, we're not going to see, you'd hope, lots of tear gas being used and things like that. But if people are learning from you, hey, this is what's going to happen and this is how you handle that, if they progress and start to go to other protests that could possibly get more violent than what we're seeing in Bloomington, they'll have the knowledge and they can bring it forward. And then, you know, it just grows from there. You, I'm sure, have seen the video footage, as have I, of medical volunteers in different cities being bowled over by law enforcement personnel. How do you protect yourself from any harm in that sense? And how do you protect yourself from possible criminal charges? couple different things. Uh, I did speak about the Good Samaritan Law, so that's one of the things that I lean into to hopefully protect myself from any sort of liability issues while I always make sure to stay within my scope of practice. But as far as protecting myself from harm at these events, for one, being such, having a good situational awareness is, is definitely a way to stay safe. And yes, being a street medic, we are acutely aware that we are of high targets because one of our goals is to get people back to protesting, right? Okay, you're better, get back to protesting. And so we're actually seen as as promoting the event. So a lot of times we are targeted. So having that awareness, knowing, having an evacuation plan, if the medics are being targeted by police, uh, we have had one for the last two protests that I went to, backup plan, a business offered us to be able to come for shelter there. And then I do carry a small handgun, actually, to protect myself. That's legal carry? Yes, sir. I legally carry a handgun to protect myself. I have it in Bloomington, but I do have one if I feel necessary, if I were going to a much larger place. And I do have an attorney on retainer so that if something does happen, I have their number, I can call her. Um, She's based outside of Colorado. In addition to my career consultant or my recruiter for my travel company, um, I let him know every time that I'm going to a protest, he knows exactly what I'm doing. And I said, I just tell him, do what you have to do for me. And he says, I'll get the legal team on it. So, um, Those are kind of the steps that I've taken. Uh, My husband has his number so that he can call him for me to get him working on things like that. Uh, In addition, I have recently ordered a bulletproof, stab-proof vest off of the internet uh, at the the bequest of my husband just because um, I do plan on volunteering in other cities around the country. 
as I only worked three days a week, it wouldn't take much for me to be able to fly out to a larger protest. And then just a buddy system is always really, really important. Um, that's one of the big things that I preach whenever, especially the medics are walking around. We do two at a time at least. We use constant radio contact to let us know where you're at, what's going on. And then we, if the crowd notices things suspicious, we actually communicate that back to the medical tent just so that we can be aware that if we notice those suspicious things, our services may be needed sooner or may be needed in that area. Like say a suspicious vehicle that is circling the crowd, which was a concern at one of the events, but it turned out to be nothing. But we were prepared in case it was something. Jake, if I'm at some future protest here in Bloomington on the street, it's a hot day and uh, things are getting a little, uh, a little dicey out there. How would I know who the medical volunteers are? I typically will wear scrubs, but we take um, red tape and we put a a cross on everybody's front and back, like a, just a red medical cross. That's how you can know where to get help from. Um, in addition to that, there are people just walking through the crowd with wagons and water and ice. You can always run up to one of them and they'll probably have a radio to get you medical help. So those are the two best ways to know. In addition to that, you can always look for the tent. We have a little sign hung up that says medical assistance. I was at the uh, Friday, July 10th uh, press conference and rally at People's Park, the one in which uh, Vox Booker and a number of other people spoke. And I did notice that off to the side, there was a tent. It was well-staffed. I saw uh, cases of water. That was your tent, I assume. Yes, sir, that was. If somebody wants to help you out, how do they get in touch? You can get in touch with me on Facebook. I have signal, but I don't think I'll give out my um, signal, my phone number through that. But I, <laughs> I can. <laughs> but yeah, the easiest way is through Facebook. And it's, again, Jake Benwell Wiley. And you can just contact me on there through Messenger. Let us do a little spelling of that, Jake, uh, because you're pronouncing it in the French uh, way. Benoit is spelled B-E-N-O-I-T, and then Wiley would be W-Y-L-I-E. That's Jake Benoit Wiley. Yep, and the last name's hyphenated. And the last name is hyphenated. Jake is a medical care volunteer, a registered nurse, a very accomplished one, a traveling nurse. He explained to us what that is. He and a group of people, about how many are getting together at these meetings, just quickly? Um, about 12 to 15. And then in addition to that, I have several nurses at the hospital that are interested in being a part of it. They just don't have the time to go to the meetings, but they would like to be at the protests um, helping out in that capacity. These people are getting together, hoping to make a well-oiled machine of the volunteers, the medical volunteers, who attend street protests here in Bloomington. Jake Benoit Wiley, thank you so much for being on Big Talk. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. 